This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. What a powerful story. This uh, is going to be a fantastic series we're kicking off this morning called Christ the Healer. And I know that healing is a touchy subject with a lot of people. And the reason being is that Many people have prayed, many people believed, and they've seen the opposite of what they were praying for happen. Some people are absolutely convinced that God heals every time, and the only reason that perhaps he wouldn't heal is because of a lack of faith, or not praying loud enough, or not praying hard enough, or perhaps there's some unconfessed sin in their life. Some people have fallen prey to believe they need to give money in order to be healed, other than to the doctors. There will be people that say, if you'll just give this much money, then God will do your miracle. There's so many different views on the subject of healing, but we need to look at Scripture as the authority concerning our belief and not what we've been told, not what we've experienced. This series is going to challenge you, okay? This series has challenged me. Every one of us come to the table with our own mix of our experiences, the things we've been taught, the things we've come to know and believe, and we all come to the table with that. And every one of us are looking through a, a slightly different pair of lens uh, depending on the things we've experienced and the things we've been told, the things that we know, the things that have shaken our lives, the things that have disappointed us. And we all come to the table with that. And so I want to recognize that. And I want to say that I know that some people struggle with this issue and some people feel this great weight of condemnation over this issue. But we want to look to Scripture as the authority, not our experience, not what we've been told, not what we've been manipulated to believe. Let's look to Scripture as the ultimate authority. So I want to just paint for you, before we go to the Scripture, just a little bit of my lens. I know as your pastor, I've shared with you a great many times about a little bit of my background, a little bit of the way I grew up and how there was some error in some of the belief that I grew up in hearing the teaching and the doctrines that I grew up hearing, as have all of us had experiences of growing and learning. So my situation is not unique. I just want to help you understand where I came from. So I want you to understand the comments throughout this series too. Now, primarily, I believe most of the people that I went to church with and the people that I listened to growing up, I believe that they were sincere, but I believe they were ignorant. And I don't mean that in a joking way. I don't mean that in a cruel way. I just mean that they didn't know. They were ignorant, sincere people. Ignorance coupled with sincerity doesn't equal truth. Amen, somebody? You can be sincerely wrong, okay? Um, How many of you guys have seen the movie Liar, Liar? You've seen the scene where Jim Carrey is trying to say that the pen is red and the pen, he just keeps writing blue over and over again. You can be sincerely wrong. And I believe that that's what I grew up with, loving people, sincere. And so I don't want to belittle or speak ill of any of those people or any of the teachers or pastors that I grew up with because I I truly believe they weren't manipulative. I believe they were very sincere and loving people. But they had no idea how to properly contextualize Scripture. They had no idea. They took the Bible and made it their own custom version by taking out the little bits and pieces to fit their line of thinking. And when you go to Scripture and you're approaching Scripture in a way where you're wanting to validate your idea through finding that Scripture, that's the wrong way to approach it. 
You need to allow God to speak for himself and let him reprogram your thoughts and validate the the things that are happening in your life and not the other way around. Amen, somebody? So many times people think that we have already determined truth in our hearts and minds and we're just looking to the scripture to only back us up. Folks, we don't need to be backed up. We don't need to be the ones that need to be validated. We want to let God speak for himself. Amen? So, like I said, there's a measure of truth to what I grew up believing. There's a measure of truth to it, but poor contextualization. We made the Bible serve our desire and say things that it truly didn't say. And I wrote some things down that I want to share with you verbatim, just so you'll understand a little bit more. When, because when that's how you approach the Bible, and then you couple that bad theology with all of our charismatic experiences that we had, we were a perfect storm for heresy and poor scriptural interpretation because we were very emotional driven. We were not scripturally driven. We thought we were scripturally driven, but we weren't contextually scripturally driven. We were driven by making the Bible be a customized book to fit what we wanted God to be. It's like, God, we had this predetermined idea, and we're going to show you how uh, to fit our idea. We were basically told you needed to confess the Bible, don't ever take medicine, don't ever see the doctor. If you did that, that was a lack of faith. It was even so extreme that our pastor taught that if women had enough faith that they wouldn't have a monthly period because that period was a result of the fall of man and if they had enough faith and confessed the word of God, then that wouldn't happen. I grew up believing that our pastor had a special anointing to heal people with back problems because almost every Sunday a chair would be brought out. And everyone that he prayed for, the back issue was always a root of one leg being shorter than the other, and he would always pray for their leg to extend, and that was always the source of their back pain. But then in that same church that we attended for almost 10 years, we had a man with Down syndrome. We had a child that was wheelchair-bound with the palsy. We had a deaf child. They never received healing because, in my view, I was guessing that God was more interested in healing everyone's back. You could see how that really confused me as a young man, how that really shook me just being honest with you. So I tried really, really hard to figure this thing out because I grew up with these other kids and I grew up seeing them and I tried really hard to contextualize God and make him fit. So I thought, well, maybe they just didn't have enough faith. And so I wanted to make sure that I had enough faith. So I made it my mission to make sure that I was Mr. Faith. So I made it my mission to make sure that I could believe God because I didn't want some terrible, terrible thing to happen to me or for me to fail because of that. And I came out of this belief system through growing in Scripture and different seasons of brokenness that God led me through. I've paid a great price for where God has brought me. And if you really want truth, you're going to pay a great price for that truth. Truth doesn't come easy. It doesn't get served on a silver platter because there's an enemy that wants to confuse you. There's an enemy that wants to try to manipulate you. There's an enemy that wants to try to get you uh, stuck and angry at God. There's an enemy that wants you to be disappointed. There's an enemy that wants you to be frustrated. And he uses all these different tactics in people's lives to try to get them to be stuck. But if you want the truth, and the truth really does set us free, which we believe it does, amen? If we really want the truth, you're going to pay a great price for that truth because you're going to have to come to fight at some point with what you've been taught, with what you've heard all your life, with what you've experienced. And you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to hold on to what I've always known and what I'm comfortable with? Or am I going to allow my worldview and my faith and my belief system to be shaped by Christ the healer, by the word of God, by the very scripture of God? And that's a tough thing to do sometimes. So I took 
tough searches and ask tough questions. This is why I tell you guys all the time, this is why I'm so adamant about contextualization of Scripture. This is why I'm so adamant about making sure that we're always looking at it holistically. This is why I'm always telling you to be willing to give up what you believe for the truth. And I desperately want the truth. And I hope that you want truth. My desire as your pastor is that you would want truth more than you want your tradition. My desire as your pastor is that you would want truth more than you want your experiences, more than you want God to fit in your mold, that you would allow God to show you who he is through your pursuit of him. I I want a church full of people to be solid in the word who aren't tossed about by every doctrine and every popular preacher that has a New York Times bestseller. I want to make sure that we have a church that's rooted and grounded in the Word of God and doesn't chase after things just because it makes them feel good. I want to make sure that we're growing. And and I'm still growing. I don't have all the answers. It has been more difficult for me to unlearn things in my life. It is. That's a tough thing to do, to unlearn things. But I'm grateful for my raising. Because there was truth there, and there's still truth to what I grew up hearing and believing. I'm not tossing all of those things out. Even some of the things that I mentioned, I'm not tossing out. I'm not saying that all of those things were wrong. There's some truth to a lot of that, but we can get greatly distorted. It gives me a greater understanding of how Scripture can be distorted, though. And I've learned some things where actually right and I hold on to those things. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to share with you some of the truths that I have discovered concerning healing. Over the next few weeks, as I talk about the different aspects about how Christ is truly our healer, I want you to be challenged to think outside of what you've known and what you've experienced and what you've thought. I want you to genuinely ask God to show you the truth in his word. I don't want you to just take Pastor Derek's word for it because guess what? I'm flawed. I know that freaks some of you guys out and you have a hard time believing it. But I'm flawed, and, 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 I don't, and I want you to check me on these things, okay? And you should be checking me on everything, right? You didn't know that? You should be. Just because Pastor Derek says the Bible says, you need to see, does the Bible actually say? Because sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes I can't find Luke chapter 12. That was a few months back. It happens. But I honestly... I honestly and sincerely try to make sure that I do the best that I can as your pastor to stay true to Scripture. But I do want you to check me on the things I share with you. I want to be a student of the Word of God with you, and I want you to be a student of the Word of God yourself. I want you to want truth because it truly is that truth that sets us free. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to share this Word. God, we all are grateful for the different experiences that we've had in life concerning our walk with you and the things that we've shown, been shown and the things that perhaps we've been challenged with. I pray today as we go through your word that your Holy Spirit would be the revealer of all truth, that you would show us the truth in your word that we believe is from you, that is without error, that you would show us who you are and that we would see that truth and it would shape our view and it would shape our faith, it would strengthen our faith. And we would truly be able to rely on you as Christ, our healer. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 1. 
and verse 26. We're going to start in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 26, okay? So in Genesis 1, we know God created the heavens and the earth, right? A lot of times when we very first approach Scripture, we want to start in the beginning, and a lot of people, if not everyone, has at some point in their life read Genesis chapter 1. And we see the creation of man, how God created the heavens and the earth. And then it comes to the sixth day where God makes man. So let's look at verse 26, Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So God created man and gave him what? Dominion. Gave him authority over all of the earth said, this is yours. I want you to take care of it. He put man in the Garden of Eden, said, tend to it, take care of it. God said, I'm going to provide all of your needs, everything you need. You just need to focus on me as the source of life, and you need to stay away from this one thing, and because I want you to have a choice, and I want you to choose me. But in the meantime, tend to the garden, name the animals, take care of my creation, take care of the things that I've done, and just walk in fellowship with me. And God's original design in this whole thing, everything was perfect. Everything was paradise. There was no sickness. There was no disease. And guess what? There was no death. Because man was eating from the best that God had. Man was living in the very presence of God. There was no sin in the world. But then we all know the story where the serpent comes and tempts the woman, Eve, and she takes the fruit while Adam is standing right beside her silently. And he takes the fruit as well. Instead of standing up as that one who had been given that delegated authority and said, no, God said to stay away. Instead, they took of that tree and they sinned and rebelled against God. Basically, what they were choosing in that moment is they were saying, we want to choose self-rule over God's rule. Because God said, don't do this and do all of these things. What he said to do was so much greater than what he said don't. Amen? Amen? But they chose to do the thing that God said to abstain from because they were saying, we want to be like God. We want to be self-governed, self-ruling. And God said, if you want that, I'll let you have it. But you need to be aware of the consequences of that. The consequences of self-rule is rebellion towards me because you're saying you know better than me. God says the rebellion uh, that, that you have towards me is sinful and sin always leads to death, which death is what? It's separation from God. And we know that sin caused the fall of man. And at that moment, at the fall of man, we see that sin entered the world. And as a result of sin, sickness and disease and death, all of those things that were not a part of God's original intent happened as a result of that fall of man. And so as we're sick, as we experience our loved ones passing away, all of those all of those, those difficult emotions that we have to process were not a part of God's original plan. That was not part of God's original design. God didn't want that to happen. That was not God's best. That was not God's desire. It was man choosing. It was man saying, I know better than you. It was man rebelling that caused those things because God's original design is a world with no sickness, with no death. Health and everlasting life is God's true desire or God's will. We see that so clearly because guess what? In heaven, there is no more death. 
In heaven, there is no more sickness. In heaven, there is no pain. That's what Revelation 21 talks about. He says he's going to wipe away every tear from their eye. There's going to be no more of those things that we deal with because we're being restored back into God's original intent and God's original design. Because sin always, always, always leads to death. And mankind sinned. Mankind was separated from God's original intent. And we get to reap the consequences of living by our will. We get to reap the consequences of living by our desire and by our own governing. When we say, God, we know better than you, God says, okay, we'll see. We'll see if you truly do. He gives us the opportunity to do that because he doesn't just want us to just blindly serve him and, 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 and just be robotic about our service towards him. No, he wants us to choose. And so he gave us that choice. And so we need to understand that, that God's original intent was not for sickness. God's original intent was not for death. God's original intent was not for the pain that you and I experience in this world. All of those things are a result of sin and a result of the fall of man and we see in john 10 and 10 that the bible says jesus himself said that the enemy comes to steal to kill and destroy but jesus says i have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly so sickness and disease does not come from god it was not part of his desire it is a result of sin being in the world it's a result of sin being in the world all sickness, disease, and death are a result of the fall of man. So let's look at this a little bit deeper. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul had to say as he was writing his letter to the Christians in Rome. Romans chapter 5. Let's look at verse 12. Romans 5 and 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, what was that one man's name that sin came into the world through? Adam, the first man we just read about in Genesis 1. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, all death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. So basically what Paul is saying is that even though you may not have specifically done what Adam did in some way, shape, or form, we've all sinned, and because we've lived under that reign and that rule of sin then we're still experiencing the results and the effects of that. He said, even if you didn't do what Adam did, death still is reigning, and we still see that we experience that death because of sin in the world. But the free gift is not like the trespass, verse 15. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift... And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, then much more will those receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men... So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. 
Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through eternal righteousness and the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is a powerful passage of Scripture. Because what Paul is saying is that through one man's disobedience, sin entered in the world and all of the effects of sin. We see the corrupt society. We see people living selfishly. We see all of the junk that's in our world that we have to deal with and we have to wade through and walk through. All those things ultimately lead to death. And we see that that is the end for some people. When they die, that's it. There is no wonderful, eternal, everlasting life in the presence of God forever. They are eternally separated from God. And that that is literally the end. So whatever they enjoy here on this earth, they will no longer enjoy anything from that point on because they don't have Christ, because they're dead. They're cut off from God, separated from Him for eternity. But through one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, we now have the opportunity to be made righteous or be put in right standing with God. Because when Jesus died, not only did He die for your sins, not only did He die to forgive you and to reconcile you into right relationship with God, if that's all He did, that would have been more than enough. Amen? Amen. But He didn't just die so we could experience heaven and we could be with Him forever and be reconnected to God. There are things that have been restored as a result of Christ's death because not only did Jesus begin the process of bringing about a restoration of the creation of man and the relationship with God to man, but He also began the process of restoring all of the effects that sin has had on us and all of the things that it's had on this world. That's why the Bible says there's going to be a new heaven, and there's going to be a new earth. He's going to restore all things. Jesus is literally making all things new. And we see that in that atoning work of Christ, that healing was a part of that. The Bible specifically says in the book of Isaiah that He was wounded for our transgressions, that He was bruised for our iniquities, that the chastisement that was on Him brought us peace, and because of his stripes, because of his wounds, we are healed. And that word healed that's used in Isaiah is talking about our relationship first and foremost with God, but it's a holistic word. That holistic healing word basically means we're being completely restored, spirit, soul, and body, back into the original intent that God had for mankind. Jesus restored everything back to God's original design. Now, we haven't seen the fruit of all of that in this world yet, have we? Because have you turned on the news lately? We haven't seen the, 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 full, the, the full restoration happen, but He has begun that. And He who has begun a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Amen? And we know that He's faithful. We know He's going to do what He says that He's going to do. And we see in our lives, even though we aren't uh, people who live completely free of mistake, even though we follow Christ, we still see ourselves in that relationship with God growing more in Christ's likeness. We see ourselves growing and experiencing those glimpses and those pieces of that sanctification process and of that journey of holiness. We see ourselves growing in those things as we get to know Him more. And we know on this planet we'll never be perfect, but that doesn't mean that we stop growing and glorifying God. We're still growing day by day by day, and eventually we'll be made perfect, the Bible says, when we see Him 
face to face. But that process has begun because of what Jesus did on the cross. And the reason that that process is going to be completed when we see him face to face is because of what Jesus did on the cross. Is this helping anybody today? Is this making any sense to you? You see, this is good news for you and for me. Because even though there is still sin in this world, even though you and I still sin, even though you and I still fail and make mistakes because of Christ, if we put our hope and our faith and our trust in Him, because of Christ, not only has He forgiven us, not only has He made all things new, but now we have access to be able to petition God, knowing full of faith that He hears us and that He has already bought and paid for our freedom from addiction. He's already bought and paid for our freedom uh, from the, the effects of sin in this world, personal strongholds in our own life, and all of the other junk that came with the fall of man. Now, we don't experience that in fullness because people still die. We don't experience that in fullness because people still get sick. We don't experience that in fullness because there's still sin in this world and our bodies are not perfect. And this world is not perfect. But when He came into our lives, when He made things new, that process began because He made our spirit new. And then at the end of time, the Bible talks about the resurrection of the dead to receive a glorified body, much like what we saw happen in the life of Christ before He ascended into heaven. And we know that that process is going to be complete to where even our body will not be susceptible to all of those effects and all those things that had been uh, originally happening as a result of the fall. Flip um, over just a few pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to look here at another passage of Scripture. We're going to look a little later in towards the end of that 1 Corinthians 15 let's start in verse 51 1 Corinthians 15 and 51 the apostle Paul we're going to read through verse 58 the apostle Paul says behold I tell you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed for this perishable body the one you and I live in now is a perishable body. We must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and my sisters, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that it is in the Lord that your labor is not in vain. You see, Jesus began that process of restoration by making us spiritually alive because of him. And there's a part in this text that shows that God is not completely finished with this complete restoration process that he's begun. So we will be changed from a corruptible body to an incorruptible body, but we still live in a corruptible body. That's not one of those look at your neighbor times and say, you live in a corruptible body. But every one of us live in a corruptible body. This thing's not perfect. We still are susceptible to certain things in this life. We're still susceptible to sickness, disease, and death. We're not immortal in this flesh here because this flesh is going to pass away. Although our spirit is new, our body isn't new 
yet that's the last part of this complete restoration because everything that sin touched as a result of the fall of man, God is going to restore. That is powerful. That is good news. Amen? That's why there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth because God said all of the things that are a result of sin, all of the violence you see on TV, all of the pain that you see people going through as a result of the shooting that happened, all of the hurt that you see when someone holds their loved one's hand as they slip away from this world, all of the hurt that you experience through different trials and tribulations, there's going to be none of that in heaven because all of that's a result of sin touching this world and a result of the fall of man. But because of Jesus, He has made all things new. And it starts with making us spiritually alive and reconnected to God, where He has made us new. Even though we still have to renew our minds, even though we still have to grow in sanctification, even though we have to grow in our faith and grow in understanding and reprogramming our minds from the way we've previously thought, and the way we've previously valued, Christ enables us to do that through making us alive with Him. Christ enables us to do that. That's why Scripture doesn't make sense to someone who is spiritually dead. That's why Scripture doesn't make sense to someone that doesn't really care because they're spiritually dead. They're like, I don't get why you go to church. I don't get why you want to read the Bible. It doesn't make sense why you want to spend time praying. You're just talking to nobody. That's what people who are spiritually dead will say because they don't understand that you are growing. They don't understand what God is doing in you. They don't understand that He is restoring you. They don't understand that you're glorifying Him. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. But for those of us who know Christ, we should be drawn to those things because we know why we're doing what we're doing. Amen? And it's not because we're trying to earn brownie points in heaven because there are no such brownie points. Although... If it's heaven, there will be brownies. <laughs> I thought I'd get an amen on that one. I'll get an amen from Pastor Stephen when he's editing the sermon. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 is a reiteration of Isaiah and what we saw in the video earlier today, but I still want to read it. 1 Peter 2 and verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And by His wounds, we are healed. Folks, I'm going to make a bold statement here. Healing is the will of God. Let me say that again. Healing is the will of God. You know, when Jesus walked on this earth, in His earthly ministry, and there were sick people brought to Him, and they would say, if it's your will, I would be made whole. What did Jesus always say? Well, if you pay me enough money. No, that's what preachers on TV say. No, it's, he said, I will. We never saw Jesus turn away someone and say, no, I'm not going to heal you. We never saw Jesus do that. We see the very heart, the very desire, the very will of God in this earth when Jesus was walking amongst us. And we see that every time he healed. Now, did Jesus heal everybody on the planet while he was here? No, he didn't. He didn't go to every city and heal everybody. He probably didn't even heal everybody in his own city that he lived in and that he hung out and spent most of his time in. He probably didn't do that. There were probably still sick people, people that probably still dealt with issues and, and problems. But that doesn't change the fact 
that healing is still the will of God because we see that one of the major things that he did while he was here on this earth besides dying for our sins, which was the biggest event ever in history, one of the other things that he did was he went about healing all manners of sickness and disease. Why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus do that? Why did he spend time doing that? Well, part of it was to show that he is who he claimed to be, but at the same time, the other part of that is because he's showing the reason why he came. He's showing he's not only here to forgive us of our sin and reverse that curse that was on mankind as a result of the fall of man, but he was showing us that the effects of sin are even going to be restored and they're going to be reversed as a result of his coming. Amen? He was showing us why he came and showing us who he was and what his desire is because God does not want us to live under the effects and the weight of sin. Amen? It is God's will that you are free from the addiction of pornography. It's God's will that you are free from the addiction of alcohol that's ruining relationships. It's God's will that you are free from financial crises and burden. It is God's will that you and your spouse have a healthy marriage that glorifies Him. It is God's will that your children would be raised up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That's God's desire. That's His will. That's His intention for you. That's His best for you. We don't always experience God's will. Because we live sometimes still taking the fruit from that tree in the Garden of Eden and choosing our own way, right? Even though God said, I'm wanting to show you my heart, I'm wanting to show you who I am, we always don't experience those things. That doesn't change the fact that those things aren't God's main desire and God's main will. Jesus always said yes when it came to healing. His methods varied, but he always healed people. It's the desire or the will of God that we would be completely healed, spirit, soul, and body. That everything, including our health, would be completely restored. He wants his creation restored because Jesus paid for that. If you pay for something, don't you want to get all of it? Have you ever taken your family out to eat and your children ate half of their food? And you reminded them why, why they were going to eat the rest of it? Why? Because I pay them for that. You're going to eat that because I paid for it. If you pay for something, you want all of it. If you go to the store and you go to buy a new lawnmower and they leave off the blade and the wheels and you say thanks and they say have a nice day, that's a really sorry transaction. If you buy something, you want all of it. Amen? Amen. If Jesus paid for something, he wants all of it. He meant all of it. He didn't mean just part of it. Now, we experience it in part because we're still seeing through that mirror dimly. We're still here on this earth where sin is very much still active and where the Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air and he's the god of this world simply because man had that authority originally in Scripture but we handed it over to Satan when we decided to rebel against God. And we see the effect of man's rule. We see the effect of evil ruling. We see the effect of all of those things happening. But Jesus came to make all things new. And he's making all things new. That's why we have the glorious hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You see, he wants his creation restored because Jesus paid for the redemption of man and to reverse the effect of mankind's sin. Now that full restoration will not happen until we are in heaven with him. 
We don't always experience the full manifestation of healing here on earth. But we don't experience the full manifestation of our salvation and a life freed from sin on this earth either. And Jesus paid for those through his atoning death on the cross just as much as he did our physical healing. Because we are saved in the fact that we have our faith and our hope in Christ. We are being saved through the process of sanctification, through the washing of the water of the word and the leading and cleansing of the Holy Spirit. And then we eventually will be saved where everything will be made perfect when we see him face to face. It's the same thing with a lot of other areas in our lives. We are free from sin because Jesus bought and paid for it. But how many of us still struggle with sin? Every hand in the room, right? Every one of us at some level struggle with something. And every one of us have probably made some mistakes. Maybe here on the way to the car, uh, in, in the car, on the way to church. And, and that, that, that's our, our nature, that we're still growing in that sanctification process. But eventually, guess what? Those things aren't going to be an issue anymore. Amen? Amen? You see, so he paid for those things. Our salvation, our sanctification, and holiness. He paid for our restoration just as much as he did our physical healing. That doesn't mean that healing is not the will of God, though, because God sees eternity God sees, na- and, 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 and we see now. God sees the big picture. You and I are stuck in the temporal. You see, we're instructed all throughout Scripture to look at things the way God does. We're instructed to be fixed on things above and not on the things of this world. You see, being a part of the kingdom of God means that our perception should be a part of the kingdom of God as well. Amen, somebody? We're instructed over and over again by Jesus to... Focus on the kingdom of God, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, to keep our minds and our hearts fixed on heavenly things, and to look at eternity and not just the things that are temporary that moth and rust destroy. See, the reason is, is because if we look at what Christ did for us from an eternal perspective, then the trials and the tribulations and the troubles we go through here on earth, they don't seem quite as bad. And we can truly know that we're trusting in him. And that we know that there's still sin in this world. And we know that there's still things in this world. But we also know that he has bought and paid for our salvation, our redemption, and our healing. Amen? So, over the next few weeks, we're going to explore some of the roadblocks to healing. Because I believe there are roadblocks. I can't get away from that in scripture. I grew up, let me just tell you this as I close. I grew up, as we looked at scripture... We would have to make a lot of excuses for God, okay? Because when God didn't do something or he did do something or whatever, we would have to find a scripture to excuse God. Or we would have to really explain away certain stories in the Bible that didn't really fit our doctrine. And we were pretty good at it. Matter of fact, if you talk to any of those people that are still in that vein today, they are very well rehearsed and they will really quickly tell you the reason why. But... It has no solid scriptural backing. So over the next few weeks, we are going to explore some roadblocks because as I look at scripture and I allow scripture to speak for itself, I see there are roadblocks. So some of the time, the reason that we don't experience that healing is not just because um, of, of, of living in this world full of sin, but there are some things that do inhibit um, that from happening and manifesting. I see that clearly in scripture and I can't get away from it. So I want to teach you about those things. I also want to teach you about what role faith plays 
in healing. And then there's a practical side to healing as well that we're going to talk about so we can work within God's design so that we can begin to experience that healing that God wants us to while we're here on earth. We're going to explore through Scripture why people don't get healed sometimes. So that over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about all of those things. And I just want you to know that God does want us healed. He wants us to petition Him. He wants us to pray, and He wants to see us healed as well as us stand in the gap and pray for other people. Even if you've experienced disappointment, even if you've experienced loss, He wants you to know that He's still faithful and that He's still worthy of your trust. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.